Sometimes our commander-in-chief, ideally a polder of the law, fails to inspire us. Take the 1970s. Well, I'm not a crook. Or the 90s. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. And now the 21st century. I'm an extremely stable genius. You're about to hear two attorneys make sense out of a legal system some say is a train wreck. Here are Royal Oaks and Connor Oaks. This is Too Many Lawyers. This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal Oaks. And I'm Connor Oaks. And it is Sunday, June 13, 2021. Connor, just seven days from the most important day of the year. Ooh. You know, you know why. Father's Day? Uh, oh, no. It's just the start of summer. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay, just okay. the start of summer. The <laughs> fact that it's Father's Day. It's irrelevant. If you have been reminded thusly, want to go out and buy something incredibly wonderful and expensive, hey, who am I to stop you? Nobody. That's who. Yeah. So th- maybe this is a good time to remind people that uh, I'm the dad, you're the son, you're the uh, millennial progressive, and I'm the baby boomer libertarian, and we just scrap like rabid cats yeah, every basically, week back and forth. Yeah. too many lawyers. Or you could say maybe try to see things from the other person's perspective. Oh, yeah. Try to find common ground. Try to communicate in a world where communication between boomers and anybody uh, younger than boomers seems impossible sometimes. That's the goal. So we're going to get into some uh, juicy legal issues. At the end of the show, we're going to get into some stuff that maybe isn't uh, technically uh, legal in nature, but fascinating nonetheless. Captain Obvious from television has a new job, so we want to tell people about that. Oh, good. Uh, if anybody's discouraged about the level of intelligence in our uh, in our nation, we want to reveal some uh, a survey of 2,000 Americans. Um, you'd be shocked to find out, and you will, what percentage of Americans believe dinosaurs may still exist in remote areas of the world. Just gave me a warm feeling to, oh, to no. hear, hear the number. Oh, no. And the crookedest nun of them all. Uh, we'll talk about her, whether she likes it or not. But in terms of more hardcore legal issues, uh, we're going to talk about... Um, the end of the pandemic, COVID legal issues, the vaccines, are they mandatory? Are they not? Uh, women and the draft, should women have to register with the Selective Service? Uh, and a couple of other uh, topics that we think will pique your interest. So let's go to uh, the top of the list there in terms of uh, vaccine issues. Uh, so we see light at the end of the tunnel now. I guess California is sort of officially opening up uh, Tuesday, June 15. The masks are coming off. And yeah, um, you know, I saw in the New York Times today, everybody's talking about, you know, everything is wide open now. Everybody's going to go to Central Park and infect anybody they want. Right. Yeah. Legal uh, repercussions. Um, so people are asking, well, OK, so what what are our rights? And so one question is, uh, may the boss force you to take vaccines? And some people have even, even asked May they force me to take a vaccine if it hasn't been approved by the FDA? And I think the answer is no. I mean, if if, if the boss says, hey, you know, uh, if you take a Butterfinger and dip it in Listerine right. uh, and I order you to do it, they can't do that. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's uh, a, tri- a tricky subject, actually, because approval by the FDA for that is authorization for emergency use is the status we're at with a lot of our vaccines. It's right? true. And so the difference between approved by the FDA as an authorized uh, medicine for emergency use versus actually FDA approval uh, of the vaccine as a vaccine, um, we're still in the middle of that, right? And so currently there are lots of employers are uh, which are currently uh, mandating that their employees get a vaccine that is not FDA approved, just authorized by the FDA for emergency use. And that's the situation with, you know, COVID and 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 uh, and Pfizer. Now, Pfizer has, um, as of May, um, I believe early May, 
has applied for FDA approval. Uh, Moderna has not. They haven't even applied yet. Oh, okay. They've been approved for emergency use, but they have not yet applied. Um, and then AstraZeneca is I'm definitely not applied. Um, but these are, um, th- that is the company that, that owns Ast- and, and sells AstraZeneca has not applied. So it's confusing. I mean, Johnson & Johnson, also Janssen, which is, Janssen is the name of the company that, that produced the Johnson & Johnson uh, vaccine. That's confusing. It is very, yes. Uh, they have not uh, been uh, approved either. I don't believe that they have uh, applied either. I believe Pfizer and BioNTech are the only two that have um, that have applied. So it's possible it. Anthony Fauci may come up with a, a Butterfinger and Vaseline, I'm sorry, not Vaseline, Listerine uh, the, uh, vaccine. We, we don't know what people might ultimately approve. Yeah, absolutely. So the EEOC has come out and said... Uh, Equal getting, Opportunity Employment Co- uh, Commission. Yes, that's right. They have come out and said uh, that an employer may require uh, a vaccine before people may return to the workplace. And some folks are unhappy about that. They think that's that's overreaching. Um, but even though bosses may do it, Connor, the, the word is that the companies prefer the carrot to the stick. Uh, not that many companies are insisting and saying you must show proof of of taking the vaccine right instead what they're trying to do is give incentives uh for example um the uh in some states like washington state they're given a free joint uh where marijuana yeah. is is legal if yeah. if you will give proof that you have uh, gotten the vaccine i getting lottery tickets yeah my com- beer. my company's taking the stick approach not the, the uh, <laughs> uh, carrot approach we were required to, sh- to send uh, them a copy um, of our vaccine card and also sign uh, an agreement acknowledging that we understand uh, that if we don't get the vaccine we will be fired uh, that also in my opinion is a, a worker's rights issue. I mean, this is a situation where people are forced to work with one another. Now, I'm working remote, but eventually um, I will potentially not be working remote fully. And as a result of that, I'll have to interact with people at my work. And to know that they all have to have the vaccine, I think that is as important to me as any other worker protection, like making sure that I get overtime pay uh, or making sure that I'm not sexually harassed in the workplace uh, or anything else. And so I, I can see why some employers are taking the carrot and not the stick approach because they might think it uh, might be more effective or they might uh, you know get less heat from employees who uh, who disagree with it. Uh, but I firmly believe that I don't want to work for a company that doesn't mandate their employees uh, get the appropriate vaccines for everything from, sure. you know, smallpox and chickenpox and sure. uh, measles, mumps, rubella to COVID. Sure. And of course, it does get a little messy in the sense that there are some people who say, well, I've got some valid reasons. For example, some people say I have a religious objection to a vaccine or some people say, hey, look at this note. from." I thought you doctor. were talking about valid reasons. Well, what about the note from the doctor? And the note from the doctor says are. this person's going to have a blood clot and their head's going to explode if they take the COVID vaccine. Uh, and the reason the one problem is the Americans with Disabilities Act comes into play mm-hmm. because, you know, companies under that law must give reasonable accommodations to people right. who are exempt from the mandatory vaccine. So are they going to say, well, we'll let you work remotely or, well, you can wear a mask. Uh, you know, Tina and Bill down the hall are not going to be doing it. You've got to socially distance so you could sort of be a, a pariah in, in the in the office. Yeah. So the, the OSHA law also comes into play, Occupational Safety and Health uh, Act. It permits the boss to require shots, according to some, because the boss has to provide a safe workplace. And if right. you don't require vaccines, then you're not offering a safe workplace. Right. 
So, I mean, the reality is, though, big companies do not really want to anger employees. Uh, they don't want to come across like Big Brother and are forcing vaccinations. That's why you, you get into this carrot and stick situation. Although, But some people are fighting back. There's a big lawsuit in Houston filed this last week. A hundred employees sued a hospital in, in Houston that had set a, a deadline to get vaccinated. Right. And marching with signs saying vax is venom and don't lose sight of our rights and Dear so on. God. So what about they also st- threatened a walkout, by the way, and they mm-hmm. said if you uh, the, the employer had said, if you don't get vaccinated by this point, this date, you are fired. You can't come back to the hospital. You're fired. And their oh, response sorry. is, we're going to walk out strategically. Do you understand that walking out is the same as not returning to work and getting fired? Mm-hmm. Like, you can't fire me. I quit is basically their response because, yeah, they have no recourse here. They're healthcare workers. They got to get vaccinated right. for everything. Measles, mumps, rubella, smallpox, chickenpox, there were everything. Yeah, and the U.S. Supreme Court way back in 1905 decided that a smallpox vaccine may be mandated by yeah. the government. So there's yeah. precedent for this. All right, let's move from the workplace to the schools. So uh, may the schools require your kids to get vaccinated. The CDC does not uh, speak on this. They have not said, yeah, you got to get those kids to be vaccinated in the schools. And every state has the power to decide what it wants to do when it comes to vaccines being required. Now, here at home in California, for us, the K through 12, uh, of course, as we've discussed, you've got to get polio and diphtheria, Right. and thyroid, etc. There's no choice. You have to get those vaccines in California K through 12. Um, but uh, the K through 12 schools in California are not yet, anyway, requiring a COVID vaccine for kids. And I, I think a, a big political battle is going to be looming because politicians know there could be a backlash if they force kids to get shots. And you know, a, a lot of people look at it differently and they say, "Look, when it comes to polio and whooping cough." You know, we're really confident in the vaccine and we're really confident it's horrible to have any risk of a kid getting a polio. Right. Whereas if you think about COVID, we're not so confident about the vaccine. And a lot of people are saying it ain't no big deal if kids are exposed because, uh, of course, one out of a million it happens. But in general, children don't suffer. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people may be COVID. saying that, but we are confident in the vaccines. We have enormous confidence in the vaccines. Now, every vaccine is different and they have different efficacy rates and they have different side effects. But the vast majority, vast, 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 vast majority of people are completely and totally fine. And there's no reason to believe that the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines especially um, have any dangerous side effects whatsoever. And in addition to that, we do know that children do suffer from COVID, suffer long-term effects. And yes, while we might look at it and say, well, the rates of, of dangerous uh, effects from COVID on children are small, the population of our country alone is enormous. So while we might say that, oh, well, most kids are fine if they get COVID, what you're really saying is it's okay that a few kids are not fine when they get COVID. Infants have died of COVID. Teenagers have died of COVID. Young adults have died of COVID. Not nearly as many as old people, sure, with uh, immunocompromised issues and all that, of course. But when we say that, well, only 0.1%, only 0.1% dooms tens of thousands of children yeah. to death. No, you're right. What you say sounds sensible. I kind of want to check in with Jenny McCarthy first. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe any of other uh, Oprah's other hosts. Maybe Dr. Phil. She's a babe. Uh, and so yeah, babes have common her. sense. Yeah, they well, do. While we're at they it, do. let's get Civil Shepherds. Oh, why not? Because she's sure. 
the ultimate babe. Sure. So the California UC system, Connor, actually is different from the K through 12 deal. Right. In that both the UC system and California State University systems are saying, "Hey, folks, you want to show up in fall on campus? You're welcome back, staff and students. If if you've been shot, yeah. So those are mandatory. Yeah. Uh, the FDA uh, has approved a Pfizer vaccine for kids as young as 12. Now here are, is a kind of a scary poll, Connor. Mm-hmm. Parents are split on whether the kids should be vaccinated. Here's the poll. 29% of parents of kids under 18 say, yes, doggone it, we're going to vaccinate them. 32% eh, wait and see. Eh, let's just see how yeah. things, you know, if, if little Timmy drops dead next door. 15% of parents say, I'm only going to vaccinate them if the school absolutely requires it. And here is the scary stat. 19% of parents under uh, kids eight, under 18 will not, definitely will not get uh, the vaccine for the kids. Yeah, that is scary stuff. I mean, you're always going to have a percentage of people who are just sort of um, resistant to any sort of medical care. Medical care is frightening. And I think a lot of people have legitimate reasons to be vaccine hesitant. I, I'm not when I say, you know, it's it's ridiculous that the schools not uh, uh, not require a vaccines. I'm not throwing shade at every person who doesn't uh, understand or uh, reasonably has hesitation about getting medical care. There are a lot of people in this country, in America, who have had terribly bad experiences with healthcare and terribly bad experiences throughout American history of their their parents and their grandparents and their grandparents' grandparents um, who were treated terribly. I mean, we've got the government in this country who has done uh unethical medical experiments on its citizens multiple times throughout U.S. history. And the medical care system to this day does not take into account every individual's differences, individualities. And instead, they apply what sometimes turn out to be broad, quick fixes to try to solve public health problems that actually cause bad public health problems for subgroups. I mean, Women is a great example. A lot of medical care is tested, tests are done and have been done for most of American history on men and especially white men. And then every other deviation from that group is treated as like a weird idiosyncrasy. In fact, birth control drugs were famously, that is, hormonal birth control drugs that affected, that, that women take and were designed for women, mm-hmm. were tested on men seems odd and then the results were interpreted oh well you can affect a men's hormone levels this way so therefore then we think it'll be safe for women if we also affect their hormone levels in a similar way and we think that will also stop pregnancy and it's like what are you doing like that is the best example of the most insane thing ever but anytime you go get a surgery a lot of times the the medical care you get is based off of medical treatment of white men especially young, healthy white men. And any deviation from that is a weird idiosyncrasy of the patient that, oh, we'll take that into account by bumping things up or a, a gram or down a, a milligram or whatever, and we think it'll all work out. And that makes people really scared. It makes people hesitant. And that's reasonable to be scared and hesitant. But what the reasonable response to that is to seek out information, to learn more, to be reassured by public health officials like Dr. Anthony Fauci and Burke and everybody else who are out there telling you now, look, we have done studies. They are intersectional. They are cross-sectional of the American population. And you don't have to be worried about this. And when there is something that pops up, when suddenly there are some blood clots that we're, we're worried about for Johnson & Johnson, boom, 
They respond, they react, maybe even overreact, and shut down the, the uh, administration of Johnson & Johnson shots for a significant period of time while they figure things out. That it builds public confidence in vaccines. That builds public confidence that actually we do care about Americans' health and that this you know, is a process, a thoughtful process, and you don't have to worry about the healthcare system the way you may have had to worry about it 5, 10, 15, 50 years ago. Well, these are important points on issues like you know, exposure for kids and folks at risk. But when we come back, we're going to talk about a really important topic that is COVID exposure for professional golfers. Oh, super important. Does not get more important than that. It's but true. first, Connor is going to tell you about how to rate and subscribe to our podcast, Too Many Lawyers. Yeah, check us out on whatever podcast platform you like. Or or on multiple, if you feel like it, things like Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Podcast Addict, whichever one you use, they all have a separate rating uh, and subscription system. And we would love it. We would very much appreciate it if you go on to whatever podcast platform you use to subscribe to us and make sure that you are, in fact, subscribed, that you don't just pull down the episode every week, but you actually click the little bell or the join or the subscribe button or every different on every platform. But it helps us out a lot to have a list of subs- subscribers. And if you want to leave us a little comment on the platform to describe how great the show is and how much you like listening to it every week, We'd appreciate that, too. And also, when we come back, Connor's going to explain what the hell he meant when he was talking about throwing shade. I I had no <laughs> idea. I mean, when I was growing up, nobody threw shade to stick with us on. The metaphysical concept. This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal Oaks. And I'm Connor Oaks. What uh, did you mean by this throwing shade <laughs> okay, business, okay. Connor? I mean, it's like a, I said, when I was a kid, a shade was a good thing. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, oh, it's relief from the sun, from the, the burning sun. heat. But yeah. now apparently it's bad to throw shade. Yeah. I mean, you know, you, I thought you confused me before by changing uh, bad used to be bad. Now it's good. Right, right, oh, right. that's bad. Oh, sick. That's sick. To me, I'm going to the hospital, but no, to Connor, sick oh, is come good. On. You can't, radical. You, now, I know radical's bad, but some people like it. So what the hell is going on you can't with throwing me. shade? You can't blame me for Michael Jackson's bad, which I'm pretty That's sure true. came out before I was born. That's true. But uh, throwing shade means to uh, make a sly or sideways insult. Usually there's some measure of, of it being indirect that you sort of uh, insult someone, but not you don't just say, Bill is stupid. You actually sort of talk about, you know, things draw broadly or generally, but in a way you're really digging it, Bill. And that's throwing shit. I knew that. Of course. Know, just take a note, a couple down. of notes. Oh. <laughs> no, professional athletes and the COVID vaccine. Poor yeah. John Rahm. Should we say poor John Rahm or should we say stupid John How about Rahm? stupid rich John He's Rahm. the number three golfer in the world. He is from Spain. He was leading by six strokes going to the final round of a golf tournament a week or so ago. And doggone it, if he didn't turn up uh, with a positive test. So on the 18th green, on the th- at the end of the third round, when basically he's guaranteed he's going to win a million seven the next day. One million seven hundred thousand dollars. Because of the huge lead, they say, you're out of here. You're disqualified. Because and you so, had a positive COVID test. And he, and he had an opportunity for the last three months. They made available to the pro golf tour. All these guys could line up and get poked anytime they wanted. But no, he didn't. Now, I don't know what his situation is. You know, who knows? Maybe he's got some sort of oddball excuse. Or, but if he has an oddball excuse, he could probably get a medical exemption. Those are available if mm-hmm. you have a legitimate reason, like yeah, you still, can't get a vaccine. Because, but if he's positive, you know, you can't be traipsing around the golf course. Absolutely. Outdoors. So Lonnie's within medical, 45 feet of somebody else. Right. And so they took his million seven away from yeah. him. These medical exemptions come from people who basically don't have, uh, they, they have immunocompromised 
status, meaning their immune system is not strong enough to mount an immune response. So you give them a vaccine instead of their uh, white blood cells running around attacking uh, the vaccine uh, material, the DNA, depending on the type of vaccine, it works differently. But basically, it just pr- prompts an immune response in the same way as that, oh, your body thinks you're sick, thinks there's an attacker. And then they uh, the immune system remembers that attacker so that you attack it on site next time. You have a really quick, powerful response and you just shut it down and you don't get sick from it. But if you get somebody sick in the short term, it does have your body does have an immune response, right? And if you're there's something wrong with your immune system such that it doesn't attack the the vaccine or it doesn't uh, remember after it has attacked the vaccine, then it's useless to try to vaccinate that person. And in fact, it uh, it, it's not that the vaccine itself is going to harm them, but it won't provide any protection um, to that person. And if your immune system, whenever you prompt it, poke it with anything, you have one of the conditions where if you prompt your poke your uh, your immune system with with any you know minor uh, issue at all, that you have a vast overreaction that does harm you, then theoretically any vaccine could be uh, harmful. And that's why they have medical exemptions. There's no reason to believe this pro golfer has that. He probably is just one of these selfish people who thinks, well, I don't want to have any side effects myself. Everybody else will get vaccinated. It'll be fine. And then I'll uh, be happy and healthy and safe because no one will be around to give me the vaccine because they'll have uh, I mean, the the, uh, the virus because they'll all be vaccinated. And there's no reason. I mean, I understand. Look, the guy's a pro golfer. He's a professional athlete. His body is his tool. It's his livelihood. He's worried about what he puts in it. But talk to some doctors, my man. You got a million seven on the line. And then the rest of your career, you know, all these other uh, tournaments you're going to make. Uh, if you get COVID and if you're the, one of the unlucky people that has long haul COVID, and that sticks around, you might not be a pro golfer anymore. I mean, that is a real risk, and people don't analyze these risks. A couple of final points on COVID. The military and nursing homes, the U.S. does not require military uh, people to get the COVID. There's been a, some hesitancy in the military, but but a lot of them are signing up. You'd think that the government would consider forcing it. The, the other point- The government does force vaccines once they're FDA approved, but since these are pre-FDA approval, they are just emergency authorized. They're currently not forcing it. The, every expectation is that once uh, they complete FDA approval, uh, the vaccine uh, will be mandated for for everybody. And so maybe the answer is the same on nursing homes. Uh, most nursing homes are not requiring it. They are encouraging it. But I mean, that's you know, ground yeah, zero pun, in yeah, terms zero, of yeah. danger. I mean, it's kind of nutty. These are the residents who are at greatest risk. Yeah, but it has to be balanced against the fact that those are the, the, the people who are already getting the vaccine voluntarily at such incredibly high rates that manda- mandating it is not that important. And combine that with the fact that they're also the people who have the most health conditions so that, that they might qualify the most for medical exemptions, but medical exemptions might be, you know, harder for somebody who's not mobile or doesn't, you know, have great health care or whatever to get. So I can see why they would be doing this. It's a problem. And I would hope that there are lots of other policies in place that make sure that vast majority of people in met, in nursing homes get vaccinated so that it's not an issue. And if those are in a pl- in place, then it's not an issue. I, but you know, it's it's sort of a, a making sure the perfect's not the enemy of the good. We we like uh, to not make sure we'd like to make sure that the perfect everybody getting vaccinated is not the the enemy of generally people being healthy overall because they might need more medical exemptions if they're old and frail. 
So let's turn to our second topic, women and the draft. Should America be drafting women? So here's the background. Uh, Connor, when I turned 18, I marched down to the Selective Service office and I said, Uncle Sam, here I am. I'm signing up for the draft. When you turned 18, you did the same thing. When women turn 18, they can do anything they want. They don't have to register for the draft. Is that right? Well, the U.S. Supreme Court back in the 80s said, yeah, that's right. We don't think that women should have to register for the draft. But then the 90s rolled along. Girl power, 90s. And women started getting assigned to combat roles in the military by the U.S. military. And so that caused some people, including the ACLU, to file a lawsuit not too long ago saying, doggone it, women should have to register for the draft. They are equal. Let's, Let's show it. Uh, and the lawsuit uh, was uh, rejected by the lower courts. And so then the ACLU, not to be uh, defeated, went to the U.S. Supreme Court and said, please take our case. So the way you ask the Supreme Court is you you file a petition for writ of certiorari, and they have to have four justices out of the nine vote to say, yeah, let's take this up. So it doesn't mean that they're going to rule differently from the lower court, especially since only four of the nine uh, are required. But here... They didn't have the four uh, justices. Three of the justices, though, interestingly, uh, led by Sotomayor, did give a statement saying they, you know, they're okay with denying certiorari in this case because Congress is looking into the issue. So clearly, they wanted that women should be required to sign up for the draft, but Congress happens to be looking into it. Do you think it's kind of a no-brainer, Connor, that uh, in this day and age that the Congress will say, of course, sure, you know, if we're going to send women into combat, yeah. uh, wh- why not have them register? It's a sign of their of women's equality with men. Right, exactly. The the, the notion of excluding women from uh, an obligation of citizenship while it might not be a fun obligation or an obligation that I think should be imposed, the concept being uh, uh, an, an exemption of women from an obligation of citizenship is based on this sexist notion that women are incapable. And that's the problem. The problem is government recognition or enshrinement of women's inability to accomplish something to to serve. Now, on an individual basis, do I think the draft should be applied to anybody, man or woman, man or woman. No, I don't think that that's a good idea. But it it's not about whether the draft is a good thing. It, it would be like, in my mind, if you had a, a, a tax change, right? You had a, a, a one tax rate for men and a one tax rate for men and one tax rate for women. Um, if that tax went to pay for something I didn't like, like war, right? If it was directly. What is it good for? Thank you. Yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, you should sing that, actually. I think it'd be, Absolutely it would be nothing, a hit. I believe, is the oh, next there line. There we are. Um, if, if there was a special tax that was levied only to pay for war, and it was only levied either against men or women, it would clearly be discriminatory on the basis of sex, even though I might take personal exemption, uh, exception to the fact that there is uh, a tax on men or women, in this case, to pay for war. Either way, the issue is, is whether it's discriminatory at the bottom. And I think a lot of people get sort of stuck on that, where they're like, well, I don't want women to get drafted. It seems like this is an anti-woman thing uh, to, to make women get drafted 
It's not. It, it's it's about attacking the underlying assumption behind not having women register for a theoretical future draft. The idea that they can't serve in combat, which we know they can. They're doing it right now. So it's it's I think uh, yes, something that uh, is silly and will uh, pass as uh, as time goes on. That was easy. Politics is simple. Yeah, we curing agree. these problems. Exactly. Hey, when we come back, um, can you be banned from the air by Southwest Airlines? We'll answer that provocative question. Here on Too Many Lawyers. This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal Oaks. And I'm Connor Oaks. So you're getting on your uh, Southwest Air flight. Um, you're uh, flying from Sacramento to San Diego. But you've got a personality disorder. So as the plane is taxiing to a stop in San Diego, the stewardess reminds you, uh, oh, ma'am, please uh, remember, keep your seatbelt on. Well, the woman uh, passenger reacted to this offensive micromanagement by knocking out two of the stewardesses Dear teeth. God. She's been charged with battery, of course, and now Southwest has banned her for life. May they do that? Well, yeah. Turns out, Connor, they, they may. Uh, who knew, but uh, looked a little into this. Airlines have put folks on the no-fly list for a lot of things. Getting drunk, trying to pass a counterfeit ticket, nice. making a hoax bomb threat, plus refusing to wear shoes on board. Even for smelling really, really bad, which sounds silly until you're yeah, sitting, trapped on the airplane. Next to, yeah. yeah, yeah, we're on the tarmac here for about four hours, folks, before we take off. That would be uh, pretty awful. Yeah, if you're kind of heavy set. Uh, and if you don't fit into the seat with a seat belt fastened, some carriers are kind enough to provide what they call extenders. Seat belt No awkwardness sure. there. Yeah. Hey, hey, Cindy, want to bring the extender here Maybe. to the back row? Yeah. We've got uh, somebody who needs Maybe it. don't use the intercom for that one. Yeah, probably not. So uh, if it all seems harsh, you know, Southwest will remind you it's life and death up there. So a personal who person who is concerned about personal liberties, Connor, are you okay with giving Southwest this power over life and death? I'm also okay with, you know, 7-Eleven banning you if you shoplift. No or, shirt, no shoes, no service. Uh, yeah, don't wear a shirt, right? So it's, I mean, I think that it's it's totally reasonable that, uh, you know, if, if this was the only airline game in town, that might be one thing. Mm -hmm. If there was no way to travel other than by plane, there's no But you can stink up the Amtrak train all you want. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, if, you, if you're creating a bad environment for uh, the, the other passengers, you got to let companies ban people for this sort of thing. I mean, it's not like... It's not like you have an absolute right good, to fly on the airplanes. Good, good I mean, answer. Good I, answer. I like, the way, I like the way you think. If, you, if you're a toxic and horrible on Twitter uh, and uh, the entire you know nation decides that your presence on this platform is poisonous to public discourse and horrible for our country and, uh, and our future, then we'll ban you, President Trump. I'm sorry. You got to go. You got to let people. Trivia, trivia question, Connor. When I stated to you just a minute ago, good answer. I like the way you think. What movie was I quoting from? Oh, my gosh. Uh, Jack Nicholson. Do, 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 no, uh, it was uh, not Jack Nicholson. If, you, if uh, I do Jack Nicholson, you'll know it's Jack Nicholson. Pierce Brosnan. It was Sam Kinison from Rodney Dangerfield's classic Back to School. Oh, of course yeah everyone's get back, favorite you got to get back to your movie watching yeah okay uh why do we make shoplifting a crime san francisco is leading the way that they, they don't make it a crime anymore and let's see how you think about that how you feel about this you're familiar with walgreens drug yes heard walgreens, of them. very popular um except in san francisco they've closed 18 san francisco outlets uh the walgreens folks why 
Not because of falling demand for Band-Aids and aspirin. No, it seems the city by the bay no longer considers shoplifting to be a crime, or at least nothing worth prosecuting. So every one of the 18 stores was losing money. And, you know, these people are in business to make money. It's not like they care about your health, really. They just want you to buy stuff pertaining to your health. So step one was when California decided not too long ago, hey, if you steal stuff worth less than $950, that's not a felony. Mm -hmm. That's a misdemeanor. Still a crime. Step two was when woke prosecutors decided, you know what? To go after shoplifters really criminalizes poverty. Mm -hmm. We don't like the idea. So then people got clever, the folks who lived near the Walgreens. They would bring their calculators into Walgreens. And when the value of what they were stealing came in just under $950, they'd walk out with it, give it to a pal, and then they'd go back in for another load. Now, here's my problem. If they shoplifted the calculator, that would be the definition of adding insult. To it injury. would. Absolutely. I would not like that. Yeah. Now, outraged residents who live in the vicinity of the Walgreens, they are protesting this. They want the store to be open. Mm-hmm. And they make note of the fact that the chain makes lots of money in other states. Right. So if you were king, Connor, what would you do? Would you? Uh, I would solve the poverty problem that is leading people to have to shop. That, you sound like Kamala Harris saying, "Let's solve the the the, the root cause Kamala of Harris. poverty in Central America, and that way people won't want to come to the U.S." Sure. Kamala Harris is also a cop. So I don't know if I'd like to sound like Kamala you Harris. You are hard to please. Yeah, definitely. Look, when 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 we have a, a criminal legal system that is punishing poor people uh, disproportionately uh, for the ways that they harm society compared to publish, punishing people, rich people, for the ways that they harm society, um, it is entirely reasonable to take stopgap measures in that will, in the short term, solve the terrible injustices that our you know society suffers from and if if that means no, you know changing the way that we enforce minor crimes misdemeanor level crimes like shoplifting which in the vast majority of situations uh, are not harmful uh, to businesses and by doing that prevent more interactions with cops and security guards that lead to confrontations and fights and, and all the rest um if that is is a, is a stopgap measure that needs to be taken, I'm all in favor of it. Now, is shoplifting a good thing? No, it's not a good thing. But if it is, if the circumstances are so bad for people that their recourse, that their solution to how dire uh, the situation they're living in is to have to shoplift things like food or medical supplies from a pharmacy, uh, okay. I get it. This is a bad situation. And we should take every step imaginable to try to make those resources available to people so that they don't have to resort to crime. Now, when you ease up on some sort of criminal enforcement, um, you are inevitably going to get people who try to take advantage of that. I don't think that that is too great a price to pay. And also, we're portraying this story as though shoplifting, shoplifting wasn't a thing. And then woke prosecutors came in and decided cops weren't allowed to do anything. I read the news stories about this. Cops parked themselves in, st- in front of certain drugstores. They, they weren't prevented from stopping, uh, you know, shoplifting in these areas. But guess what? If there's a cop car in front, they'll just go to a different place. The answer is cops are not the solution to shoplifting. Cops are not the solution to poverty. Cops are not the solution to inequality in our society. And the idea that we look at a problem that is currently existent in our society and we say, 
oh man, cops have failed spectacularly to, solve, to stop the, from uh, to stop these crimes. They're they're just literally completely powerless to solve these crimes. And then we say, oh man, anything we do to defund the police or take away the power of the police will inevitably lead to more problems in that sphere. Okay. Cops aren't solving this societal problem. We should do something that is not cops to solve this societal problem. And the idea of, well, let's just double down on cops. We know they don't work. Why this would is, we do that? This is a great example of what's, what's wonderful about this podcast. Yeah. Right? We, we, we have the different viewpoints. Now, from my standpoint as a libertarian, I provided some snarky sarcasm. <laughs> and from your perspective as the uh, progressive, you gave serious solutions to the poverty problem. That's what's so great That's about this podcast. So great about. I mean, what, what what is the answer in your in your you know opinion? Do we do we think that more cops are the answer? Oh, was it, we we should double or triple the number of cops because we have so many unsolved crimes out there. That's that's I, true. I think I've made my point. I think you're right. Uh, final two points we wanted to get into: the crookedest none of them all, and then the stupidest Americans responding to a poll. <laughs> so the crookedest uh, none of them all: uh, Mary Margaret Cooper, uh, age seventy-nine, uh, stole uh, embezzled eight hundred thirty-five thousand dollars from the elementary school where she has worked. Nice uh, to cover her Hell gambling yeah. habits Hell and her yeah. personal expenses. This lady's awesome. But the thing is, I mean, you know, wouldn't you take your chances with a, a, a jury? Uh, oh yeah, you're Mary a nun. Margaret, right. although the jurors might remember the evil corporal punishment of their youth and vote for Ooh, the death penalty for Mary that's Margaret. Only God can judge me, says Sister Mary Margaret. Yeah. Don't it, put me in jail. It's uh, So it's a very sad story, but hopefully the justice system will treat her fairly. Oh, that sucks that it was from an elementary school, because I was thinking she just stole it like directly from, you know, the pockets of the yeah, pastor. She took the milk money from the kids. That's terrible. And, you know, and if other you, money. If you want to steal from a church, more power to you. I'm on board. Steal all you want from the Catholic Church. They got plenty of money. They're misusing it as it is. Just stick a, a big siphon, uh, you know, in their in the churchly gas tank and start sucking out those ten dollar bills. I'm on board. But to take from the elementary school, that's where they're using the money to teach kids. That, that, I, I that's just wrong. <laughs> okay. So finally, if you ever get discouraged about our future as a nation, yeah, you should focus on. on I never do. a survey. Like this, one poll recently surveyed 2,000 Americans on behalf of Boat Rocker Studios. What? And they were asked, it's, it's just a studio, sure, you, yeah, you yeah. don't want to know. I don't. Uh, they, were, uh, they asked folks if dinosaurs may still exist in remote areas of the world. Not in Manhattan, okay? Uh-huh. Not out in Palm Springs, just uh-huh. really remote areas of the world. 46% of Americans said, okay, yes, let's try. Dinosaurs. Let's try to give exist. these people the benefit of the doubt. Let's try to say, I mean, if you, like, what is a dinosaur? And what is a remote area? Right. Like, okay, animals that also existed in substantially identical form to the animals that live now, do do they currently, like, in, in, do they currently exist in substantially identical form to the yeah. when they? So they, you're, the way you're just they being a lawyer here. No, I'm, I'm trying I'm to define. Like, at, you ask me this on the street, I'm going to say, okay, well, what's a crocodile? Because a crocodile existed in the Everybody late Cretaceous. Everybody knows a Brontosaurus and a Tyrannosaurus rex. But those are the ones we know no longer exist, right? Maybe you ask this person, you know, what about some sort of a deep sea whale-like super shark creature, whatever? I don't know. You're just being a Stegosaurus's advocate here. Now, it gets even worse, Connor. You think it's bad? Yeah, forty-six percent definitely said the dinosaurs may exist in yeah. remote areas. Guess what? Twenty-two percent more said possibly. 
So we have 68%. The majority. Definitely, yeah. Uh, yeah, a, a small percentage said, uh, said... It's a bad question. It's a bad question. Now, dinosaurs probably do exist if you count yeah. like birds and crocodiles. For, birds are record, dinosaurs. For the record, they've been extinct for 66 million okay, years. Okay, yeah, now, technically. Here's, here's the next question. You want to um, get technical now. You, you thought that was a fun answer. Extinct. People were asked, when did they go extinct? Oh, no. Okay. Oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah. 23% said mm, about 2,000 years ago. Oh, 2,000 no. years ago, one quarter of oh, Americans. No. Oh, and this, you're going to love this. 21% no. of the poll responders, one fifth of Americans, oh, no. said dinosaurs went extinct a century ago, oh, no. 100, 100 years ago. Essentially, they thought, well, Let's see, 100 years. The dust from the Civil War Abraham blocked the Lincoln sun, rode. cut off their oxygen supply, killed the plants they ate, and Abraham Lincoln is somehow to blame. He was probably riding a oh. T-Rex. That's how he won the Civil War. Yeah. So it's Can't discouraging, but perhaps, you know, Enlightening. If, if enough people hear this podcast, they'll be, we'll shake some sense into them and they'll change their mind about dinosaurs. Dear God. We hope you change your mind about the podcast and, and wa listen to us again next week. <laughs> See you soon on Too Many Lawyers.